Good morning, Church on the Rock. We got this many people in here, and that's as loud as we're going to get. My name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here at Church on the Rock. The reason we do the good morning, Church on the Rock, good morning, Rashad, is because we know that even at mm, 11-something, people are still tired. It's cold outside, and they're kind of grumpy, and they feel like they had to drag themselves in here. But we want to make sure that you are ready to hear a word from God, not a word from Rashad, but a word from God. So please, when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, as loud as you can, say good morning, Rashad, because if somebody is asleep next to you, they will wake up. I promise you that. Good morning, Church on the Rock! Good morning, Rashad! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know what? I'm going to roll my sleeves up for this one. This is going to get good right here. All right, so we are continuing in our series, Hello, My Name is Hypocrite. Hello, my name is Hypocrite, and if you are a guest, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, you got to take it like everybody else, all right? Um, this has been a powerful series for us in the book of Malachi. We opened up the year saying we are tired of empty religion. We are tired of people going through the motions. We are tired of people not having a, a real relationship with God. And we are tired of letting people off the hook as if God doesn't have expectations of us as Christians. So, we... I, it was laid on my heart to do a sermon called, Hello, My Name is Hypocrite. Now, we've been in the book of Malachi, and that's where we're going to be today. But I want to give you like a heart or a lens that you're going to kind of have as we're looking at these scriptures that we're about to pull out. If we could turn our Bibles, if you're in the Bible or not, we're going to be in Romans 12.1 to start off. So in Romans 12.1, it says, Therefore, I urge you or beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or reasonable service of worship. The reason we want to start here is because in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters, Paul is basically telling you about the mercies of God. Similar to when we started out in Malachi, it opens up with him saying, hey, I have loved you. The response of the Israelites, or the people that he was talking to in Malachi was, how have you loved us? And he simply went on and started saying, well, huh, my son died on the cross. Um, I brought you out of Egypt. Um, I did all these things for you in the past. I have loved you. And in the same way in the book of Romans for those first 11 chapters, he's telling you all the ways that God has shown you mercy. Let's just stop right there and think about this real quick. I don't know if you know this, but as a human being who was born in sin, everybody in here was born a sinner. Therefore, you deserve death. You deserve hell. People don't talk about hell in the pulpit anymore. I do. You deserve hell. And yet, while you were a sinner, while you deserved death, Christ went to the cross and died for your sins so that anyone who would call on his name as Lord will be saved. That is the gospel. Hallelujah, right? Hallelujah. But here is the thing. So Paul says, hey, by those mercies, what mercies? The mercies that Christ died for you. The mercies that you made it here safely. The mercies that you woke up this morning. Because if you think you deserve to wake up this morning, no, 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 no. That's the mercy of God that you woke up this morning. Mercy meaning you are not getting what you deserve. Grace meaning you get what you don't deserve. This is the love of God. So Paul says, hey, based on everything I've told you in these first 11 chapters, and you can read that for yourself. He says, based on those mercies, based on those things, 
present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God. Okay? He says, you're not going to be able to do it if you're doing it for the pastor. Okay? If you're here and you're serving and you're doing it all for me, I'm going to let you down. If you follow my Facebook long enough, I will let you down. And then you'll be like, oh, I don't want to go to that church anymore. Okay, if you're doing it because your spouse dragged you in here, your spouse is going to let you down. So as soon as your spouse lets you down, guess what? We lose two people at the church. You see what I'm saying? If you're doing it for your children, your children are going to let you down. If you're doing it for anything other than the mercy that you have received from God, the gospel message that Christ died for you, then you will not present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. I want you to have that lens on as we prepare for what we're about to do, okay? I want you to understand that as a Christian, anybody in here who calls themselves a believer, this is the cost of discipleship. This is the cost of believing. Yes, salvation is free, but your responsibility as a Christian after that is a living and holy sacrifice. Why? Because that is acceptable to God. It's your reasonable, or in the Greek, it's your logical response to Christ dying for you. He died for you so that you could be a living sacrifice for him. That's the gospel. Amen? So with that said, we open up Malachi in chapter 1. And we, 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 did, uh, we did verse 6 two weeks ago. We're going to be doing like the bottom of 6 to 10. So it goes like this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I'm a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you? O priests who despise my name. But the priest said, they said, how have we despised your name? God says, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But they said, how have we defiled you? He says, in that the table of the Lord is to be despised. When you say that, you're defiling my name. He goes, but when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? He says, but now will you entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part? Will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Let me read that one more time. He says, oh, that there were a one, one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering. He's basically telling the church today, with your worthless worship, your worthless singing, your worthless serving, your worthless attendance, I would rather you shut the doors to the church. That's what he's saying. And let me just tell you something that you guys don't know. You don't have the privilege to know, so I'm just going to put this out there. We didn't have a kid service last service. All the kids, all the babies, all the fourth and fifth graders, everybody was out here. Why? Because we are lacking volunteers. Think about this. We got a whole lot of spectators a whole lot of customers, but no servants and co-workers. Somebody's got to be here with me on this. And, and you know what? How about this? Would I just say ouch? Say ouch. 
Okay, okay. I just want to make sure you're here with me. And this is, this is the thing. Maybe you don't go to the church on the rock. Maybe you're not a regular attender here. That's okay. I'm sure your pastor is going to be happy about me preaching this too, okay? <laughs> okay, just trust me on that one, all right? All right, so we're going to start off with Malachi 1.7. Malachi 1.7. So they said, well, sorry, go to 6. I'm going to go to the bottom of 6. So they said, hey, how have we despised your name? Because he said, the priests have despised me. He said, how have you despised my name? Malachi 1.7, you are presenting defiled food upon my, alt- my altar. So here's the thing. Back in the Old Testament, you presented sacrifices. You presented burnt offerings. Well, here's the thing. There was a way to present the burnt offerings. He had an expectation about the burnt offerings. If we look at Deuteronomy 15, 21, you don't have to turn there, but we're going to go there. If we look at Deuteronomy 15, give me that one, Brent, 19, thank you. He says, you shall consecrate to the Lord your God all the firstborn males that are born of your herd and of your flock. You shall not work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. Keep going. He says, you and your household shall eat it every year before the Lord, your God, in the place which the Lord chooses. Then he says, but if it has any defect, such as lameness or blindness or any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. In Leviticus, we have something similar. In Leviticus, we have another, another like law where he says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying this. He says, speak to Aaron and to his sons and to all the sons of Israel and say to them, any man of the house of Israel or of the aliens in Israel who presents his offering, whether it is any of their votive, which means of their vows, or any of their free will offerings, meaning they, they freely give it, which they present to the Lord for a burnt offering, for you to be accepted, it must be a male without defect from the cattle, the sheep, or the goats. He says, whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it will not be accepted for you. He says, when a man offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a special vow or for a freewill offering of the herd of the flock, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. He says, those that are blind or fractured or maimed or have a running sore or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer it to the Lord, nor make of them an offering by fire on the altar to to the Lord. So this would have been their mindset. They know they cannot present blemished, fallen, broken, blind sacrifices to God. And yet, this is what they were bringing to the priests, the people. And even then, this is what the priests were taking to the Lord like it was okay. So in Malachi 1.7, go back to Malachi 1.7, he says, this is how you're defiling my name. This is how you are making me look bad. This is how you're basically cussing and blaspheming my name. You're presenting defiled food upon my altar. Let me tell you what that looks like today. If I come up here, tell a whole bunch of jokes and a whole bunch of stories, and I'm playing a good old stand-up comedian, and then I say, oh, and here's the Bible verse for today, that's defiled food, okay? If I come in here and I'm like, look, Y'all ain't serving, and I'm the pastor, and you need to serve, and you need to give some money to make my bank account better. I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm mad. That's defiled food. If I come in here, and I'm halfway doing everything, in other words, I just spent a lot of time working on my sermon this week. I'm just going to get up here and wing it from what I know off the top of my hand because I just didn't have time like that. And you know what? They should be happy I'm standing. Let me look at you. When we come in here and... Our God is greater. What time is lunchtime? Our God is. That's defiled food. When we come in here and we say that we're working with the hospitality team, but we can't crack a smile for nobody because of what's going on in our lives, 
you're better off not working in the hospitality ministry. Why? Because that's the foul food. If you come up here and you singing on the worship team and you ain't been thinking about the words throughout the week and you ain't thought through some scriptures to get your heart in the right place to sing, then why are you up here singing? That's the foul food. If you're teaching the kids in the back and we ain't giving you a lesson and you got a whole week to work on that lesson, but you want to come in here at 8, 55 or 1055 to study for your lesson that starts at 11 o'clock, that's defiled food. Ouch. Yes, because this is what we present to God, our leftovers. Or some of us don't present anything at all. We're just here to sit. We're not here to serve. I come to church to get my needs met, Christian folks. Okay. God says, this is defiled food upon my altar. Here's the scary part. Their response, how have we defiled you? So they know the law. They're priests. They know the law. And deep down inside, I don't care how baby of a Christian you are, you hear, if you come here, you hear it every single week. We need to serve. We need to, we need to look, love, learn, live. It's, it's our motto. It's everything. We know that this is a part of our DNA. So you know you need to serve. You know you need to be in ministry, not just inside this building, in general. It needs to be a part of your life. You know that. And yet, you're like, well, hold on, man. How we defiled you? I mean, I mean, we show up, right? And I raise my hands when I'm supposed to. I say amen every time you make a good point, even if I don't really know what it means. I mean, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do religiously. Religiously, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Hello, my name is hypocrite. You see what I'm saying? Because that's defiled food. That's empty offerings. That's, that's it's blank. There's nothing really there. It's what you're putting together on the outside so that I smile or so that the people in the church smile. Why are you so worried about what everybody else thinks? Shouldn't you be worried about what God thinks? I'm, I'm just, I'm curious here. I'm not God, and the person sitting next to you, even if it's your spouse, is not God. So are, are, you, is, are, are you making your offerings for each other or are you making your offerings for God? And he says there's a specific way to do this. They say, how have we defiled you? So this is scary because they really thought they were doing it right. Hey. <laughs> See, Clinton, you missed it. If I would have had a good point right there, boom, like, yeah. Like, see, I need to, now I bet you everybody signed up for kids ministry then, right? <laughs> Man, you missed it, bro. You messed it up. No. So, so look, look. They say, how have we defiled you? So this is as scary as that Matthew 7 where, they, where God says, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I never knew you, right? And here's the scariest part of that scripture. They come back and they say, well, hold on. What you mean you don't know us? Haven't I prophesied in your name? Haven't I taught? So they really thought that they were the saved and they weren't. In the same way, these preachers say, whoa, how have we, not, how have we defiled you? They really think what they're doing is okay, and I'm, I'm afraid to say that in the church today, we really think the way we worship is okay. So this is what we're going to talk about, about like a mentality we have of our worship and how we think it's okay. So he goes on, and he says, look, in verse 8, give me verse 8, he says, when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? My first point this morning, hello, my name is evil sacrifice. Hello, my name is is evil sacrifice. He says, when you present blind animals, go back to Malachi 1.8, when you present blind animals for sacrifice, is that not evil? Well, yes, it's evil, because God says, don't present 
blind sacrifices, and then you're over here presenting blind sacrifices. That's the definition of evil, sin against God, disobedience against God. He says, when you present the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Well, yeah, we just read in the law that it says don't present the lame or the sick or the blind, and this is what they were presenting. So we look at the Israelites like, oh, if I was back then, I would have done it the right way. Well, you're here today, and you're still doing it the wrong way. Check this out. Anybody ever been to the Goodwill? Don't be ashamed. This church on the rock, all right? <laughs> that might not have been good, but anyway. <laughs> so check this out. Check this out. Check this out. My wife shops at the Goodwill. I probably got on everything Goodwill today, okay? Mm, okay? Now look at this. Every Saturday, the first Saturday of the month, when I go to men's breakfast, she goes to the Goodwill because it's 50% off. So not only is it cheaper than what it normally is, but it's half off. I'm trying to give you hints here, okay? I'm trying to give you hints. So what she does is she goes in there and she'll buy clothes, she'll buy whatever we need, and she'll bring it home. And all of it is stuff that somebody else has said, I'm finished with this, right? They got that Netflix show, Tidying Up, that people have been watching. So Goodwill has been getting a whole bunch of stuff because people are tidying up and getting rid of stuff. Well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, people are treating church like Goodwill. They come in here and they give a Goodwill sacrifice instead of a God's will sacrifice. You come in here and you give God your leftovers. You give God the part of you that's just there in the closet. You won't give him the first and the best. You give him whatever's left. And now when people who come into church, you're inviting your friends who are non-believers, and they come into church, and you're telling them they need to be excited about God, but when they get here, you ain't even excited about God. Why? Why? Because all you got left is this little bit of energy. Why? Because you stayed up all night watching a Netflix show. <laughs> so you're you going to stay up all night knowing you got worship Sunday morning, just got to watch one more episode. Next thing you know, it's 3 o'clock, and then you dragging in here, and you're tired, and our God is, man, I'm tired. And you didn't invite somebody to church, and they like, that's what an awesome God get in worship? That's the goodwill right there, right? Or better yet, better yet, this is what you do. You go to bed early on Sunday because you got to get up on Monday for your earthly master. Think about that. These are evil sacrifices. This is me coming and just giving him whatever I feel like giving him because I don't really reverence God the way I say I do. You see, I say my God is awesome, but he don't get awesome worship from me. I say my God is awesome, but I'm not awesomely serving him. I say my God is awesome, but I don't spend no awesome time with him. So what's awesome about that God? And if I'm a non-believer watching you, ain't nothing awesome about him. You do the same stuff I do, bro. You live the same life I live. What's so awesome about your God? Why I need your God to do the same thing I'm doing today. This is how we serve. This is how we live. And once again, please don't think this is some guilt trip. I got, I got my tail kicked all week long. All week long. Well, and then we missed service last week, so for two weeks I've been hurting, all right? So y'all all about to get some of this, okay? <laughs> God says, this is how you defile my name, Okay? And how you are presenting your sacrifices, they're blind, meaning you're sitting here singing songs when you don't know nothing, you don't even believe what you're saying, you're just saying it. That's blind worship. That's blind singing. That's, it's blind. You, you, you sit here and you're just singing the songs, just going through the motions, then you wonder why you don't feel comfortable teaching the kids. I'll tell you why. Because you're blind in what you believe. I tell, you, I tell people all the time, don't, be, don't say you believe until you believe. Please don't do it because mama told you to. 
We got three, three beautiful souls getting baptized today, right? Each one of them. Ask the parents who were in here, Elaine, you weren't there when I was talking with Ella, were you? Because I don't want, I don't want mama coaching. I don't want dad coaching. Same thing with where, where Bonnie at. Bonnie, what did I say when I go over there? I said, go to your room, right? Y'all laughing. I, told, I, told, I said, go to your room. I told the parents, go to your room. Because I want to be down here with the twins by myself so that they can show me that they're not blind about what they believe. Well, it's funny because the, the kids will do this, but the adults won't. We come in here and say, as long as I'm singing, who cares what I believe? Right? That's blind. That's like a blind sacrifice. And then the, the, when you present the lame and the sick, the lame, paralyzed sacrifice. In other words, you don't move. You come in here, you drag yourself into church, and you're like, I'm just here to sit. They should just be happy I'm here, period, right? I'm not here to serve. I'm here to sit because this is my sacrifice. Being here at 9 o'clock in the morning is a sacrifice. Using my football time is a sacrifice. That's lame. That's paralyzed sacrifice because you're not moving. And then sick is like literally dying, dead sacrifice. This is evil. All of these things are evil sacrifice, and a lot of us are... Worshiping, living in that way, whether you go here, whether you go to another church, this is one of the big problems in America. Why? Because we're so comfortable. It's so easy to do church. You go across seas where you might get your neck cut off for gathering like this, and it's a whole different time. At that point, I get in, and look, I, don't, I ain't got a title. I'm just ready to do whatever you need me to do so that we can gather. You want me to read? I'll read. You want me to teach? I think you want me to sing? I'll sing whatever you need because we got 20 minutes before we, we get caught. Could you imagine that? Some of you can't because you, you'd be like, well, why would I even gather? That's the problem. That's evil and easy. My next, my next point is this right here. Hello, my name is Easy Sacrifice. So first is evil, blind, lame, sick sacrifices. Evil sacrifice. But then, hello, my name is Easy Sacrifice, because look what he says. He says, why not offer this to your governor? Now, let me give you some historical, cultural context. The governor would have been, some, it would have been a, a Persian ruler, and he was putting taxes on their neck. Like, you think we got high taxes? You ain't seen taxes like these, okay? So the people were essentially in poverty, poor, whatever, and this is what they say. This is what they, like, essentially the way that they were giving offerings, they're like, well, look, this is all I got left after paying my taxes to the governor, so I'm not going to give God my best. Surely he understands I need my best. I'm going to give him my worst, my blind, my lame, my sick, because, you know, they took a whole bunch of my money or my cattle or my whatever they were taxing, so I'm just going to give God the leftovers of my leftover, right? And that's how we, that's how we treat God. He says, you're giving me, go back, go, uh, wait, where you at? Uh, yep, that's it. Okay. He says, why not offer it to your governor? He says, the things you're bringing to the temple, why not give it to your governor? I'll tell you why. Because he ain't even going to accept it. You ever thought about this? If I took a dollar bill and I cut it in half, okay, and I went to the store and I gave the cashier that dollar bill, would they accept it? No. But the way we worship, we bring that dollar bill to church, we place it in the offering. That's how we worship. The governor won't take it. Surely God will take it, right? Better yet, we the type, everybody ever took something to Goodwill and they didn't take it? <laughs> Maybe that's just me? Okay. <laughs> you take something to Goodwill and they're like, man, we ain't taking this. Like, you literally just trying to give us junk. So what do we do? We be like, all right, I'll take it to the church. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ain't nobody laughing on that, right? That's what, that's, this is exactly what we do. Man, the goodwill wouldn't even take it. But surely God will take it, right? Here's these brokenness, broken that, and less of this. This is how we worship. This is how we serve today. It's easy. It's easy. I'm not giving you the best. I'm giving you what's in the closet that I ain't paid no attention to to begin with. You can't have my time, God. I ain't got time for that, right? Hey, we need you to serve one hour on Sunday morning, and if you want to hear the sermon, then just come to the next service. I ain't got time for being at two services on a Sunday? You know how much I work during the week? Then we say, hey, we want you to gather throughout the week. We want you to spend time with each other and grow in intimacy throughout the week. Well, man, I work so much, I ain't got time for discipleship. Yeah, but the Bible says go make disciples. I ain't got time for that. Hey, we need you to pray. Hey, we need you to be in your word. Hey, we need you to be pouring into your kids. But you ain't got time for none of that. So my question is, who do you think is in control of you waking up in the morning? The same one asking you to do this. You don't think he's giving you enough time to do it? Hold on. I'm asking you in your week to make time for these things. And you're telling me I haven't given you enough time to do it? No. You've taken that time and played God yourself. You've prioritized your money, your education, your livelihood, your sports, your entertainment. That gets the first of your time. And then you say, well, I only got 30 minutes left. I'm not going to spend it teaching kids at church and studying the devotion throughout the week. I ain't, I ain't got time for that. Why? Because I gave the best of my time to everything else in my life. And we're okay with that. We're okay with that. And we want, we want pastors and church members to pat us on the back and say, Dave, I'm so glad to see you three weeks in a row. And say, and say, Clinton, I'm so glad you come in and you don't do nothing. And Clinton does do something, okay? But you don't do nothing, Clinton, but I'm just so glad you made it through. No! Since, since when? He's like, if I'm the same, see, we like, to, we like to say this. God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? But then we read about the Old Testament God. we like, well, he ain't that the same, <laughs> right? Like, surely he's not like this anymore, right? Because grace, 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 grace. Remember, grace is there for when you fall, not for when you just purposely jump in like, hey, you know what I mean? Grace is when you walk and you're like, whoops, I didn't realize that. Grace, pull you up. But when you're just purposefully practicing and dancing in the whole, look, I'm not serving and I'm still a Christian because I said the right stuff. I'm going to call you on that. I'm going to call you on that and say, no, that's not how it works, bro. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. That's the Old Testament. Uh, God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? So get over your easy sacrifice. I'm sorry, but it's called sacrifice, right? And whatever you do will never compare to what he's done for you. He gave his life for you. He died for you. That's why I say belief births behavior. Some of us don't really believe that. We just say it. We don't really believe somebody died on the cross for us. I'm going to tell you why. If somebody pays for my dinner, I'm like, man, I got to get you back, bro. I got to, you pay for me. Adam, I got to pay for yours next time, right? Like, you got me this time. I got you next time. That's my reasonable service, right? I believe he actually paid for my dinner because I ate and it didn't cost me nothing, right? Amen, Adam. Christ died for you and it didn't cost you nothing. So, that, so this is how you pay them back? With half of you? With half the service? Can't get nobody to step up? 
in the church. This, this is how we repay what he's done for us. And remember, it's all about him. It's not about me. If, if all you hear is Rashad talking, then yeah, you'll never serve. You'll never serve because I'm not worthy of your service. I'm not worthy of your worship. I'm not worthy of the attendance. I'm not worthy of this mean people being here this morning. But if it's for the person who died for your soul, you pay people back who pay for your dinner the right way. Paul says it's your logical service to be a living sacrifice, to live for him because he died for you. So how are you living? And if you see that, it's a continuous thing. It's not, I did my one hour for the week on Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle. It's the way you live. It's a worthy walk with the gospel. So when we look at this, he says, you, the things you're offering on the altar, you wouldn't even offer to your pagan governor, to your human governor. I'm going to put it like this. We, we treat our spouses better than we treat God. I'll do you one better. We treat our children better than we do God. Christmas be off the chain in households. Off the chain. But we ain't got nothing left for God. And I'm not talking about materials. Please, get past just money. I'm talking about time, talent, and treasures. It's so much more than just giving of your money. It's giving of your time. It's giving of your talent. It's giving of you. He says, you be a living sacrifice. You give all of you, the totality of you. So that's not a Sunday morning thing. It's a lifestyle. I'm on a new diet. Errant, wrong. I'm not on a new diet. I'm on a lifestyle change. You see what I'm saying? They're like, if it's a diet, it's temporary. It stops after a little while, right? Or you can make a lifestyle change. This is a, Christianity is a lifestyle change. The gospel should be a lifestyle change. Not a diet that I'm going to do good for the next two months until I get what I want in prayer. Until I get what I want out the church, folks. Some people will come into the church and we'll do what we need to do for the next two months just so we can get them to bless us in some type of way. Then we don't see them again. We got people who will go through marriage counseling and everything because they want me to be the officiant of their wedding, and then I don't see them anymore. They at church every single day that I need them to be in church to get married, and then I don't see them no more. Why? Because they got what they wanted. It was a diet. I'm going to do what I need to do and be on this diet, and then I'm going to go back because my lifestyle never changed. These are things I want you to think about. So, hello, my name is evil sacrifice. Hello, my name is easy sacrifice. I'm giving to God things I wouldn't give to the governor. And now, hello, my name is entitled sacrifice. Go to verse 9 for me. Verse 9, Malachi 1.9. This is what it says. He says, but now will you entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part? Will he receive any of you kindly? So, look, this is what he's saying. What would happen is, so like Larry would bring his, burnt, his offering to me. If it was a blemished male goat or a perfect male goat, whatever, he would, the people would bring it to the priest. The priest would take it, and the priest would take it to the altar and actually present it before the Lord. That's, the, that's how the practice worked, okay? So what he's saying is, oh, are you, priest, going to entreat God for favor so that he's gracious to all the people based on what you're presenting to God, Okay? Um, let me help you out. So the people and the priest are in trouble for this one. This is, this is major in today's context because this is what happens. People come in here and they're like, Rashad, I want to teach. And I'm like, that's great. But you're living with your spouse and having sex outside of marriage. I'm going to need y'all to make that right before you can teach. And they go, oh, you're so judgmental. And I go, no. No, no, time out. I'm not judgmental. 
I can't defile the food that's being offered to God. You, you want me, based on emotions and how you feel, to let you live any old kind of way and then be in charge of teaching the kids and then I got to stand before God when it's all said and done and be like, I know I wasn't supposed to let them teach God, but they're good people. He goes, he goes, so, so think about this. If I'm pastoring this church and letting y'all live any old kind of way and do whatever you want to do. So I don't care if you got your life right with God or not. If you can sing good, you can do what you want to do. That's what they do in churches. I don't care that you're sleeping with the entire choir. You got a good voice, so sing whatever you want to sing whenever you want to sing. Why? Because you bring people in the house, and it makes us look successful on the outside. God says, defiled food. So the pastor who's praying on behalf of the people, okay, who's falling on his face, God, I wish you could help this situation, help that situation, help this situation. God's like, you really think? I'm hearing you? And so we got this mentality in the church. God answers all of our prayers. And we can ask him like an ATM machine. He's our genie in a bottle, right? Wrong. I'm going to tell you why. 1 Peter 3, 7. I just want you to see this. Man, this is going to hurt, so I'm sorry. I ain't got nothing for the women right now. I only got time for the men. So, husbands, in the same way, Peter's writing to a church. He says, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the, gra of, of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers will not be hindered. Do you see that? All the men in the house, do you see that? God is literally saying, hey, if you ain't loving your wife right, your prayers are hindered. Your prayers are actually hindered. I'm not listening to you because you're not serving her the way I told you to serve her. You see that? Your prayers are actually hindered. So if you think for one moment God has to respond to your prayer request, has to listen to you, he's obligated to grant your wish, you're wrong. So, he, so, so basically in Malachi, this is what he's saying. Go back to Malachi 1.9. In Malachi, he's saying, hey, how will the priest, and remember I told you two weeks ago, all of us are priests. It's a royal priesthood if you're a believer, okay? How will the priest entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to the people if we're offering stuff like this, these halftime offerings? It's because we feel so entitled. You walk into church and you're basically telling God, he's lucky I came. God, he's lucky I woke up this morning. I didn't feel like going, so he should be good with just me walking through these doors. You want me to do what? Uh-uh. He's lucky I came. Or, or we get back there and we are with them and we're like, I really don't want to be here. We're just complaining and complaining and complaining. This is that halftime offering. This is that halftime worship. He says, you think that you can call on the favor of me, worshiping me like that? And it's so crazy because I'm, I'm looking here. I ain't even use my notes this whole time. I don't even know where I'm at on this, so forget it. All right, we want, we want all of his favor, but we give him half of our faith. You, you, see how I'm, you see how I'm putting that together? We want 100% of God, but we're giving him half of us. What would that look like in your marriage? What would, that, what would that look like in your marriage? You married, and you giving all of you, and your spouse is giving half of him. You wouldn't have it. You'd be like, uh-uh. Like, I didn't give all of myself. Why am I receiving half? But this is how we're treating God. This is how we're treating God. We're treating him like we're entitled. Like, if I just show up, that's enough right? I wish that's how it worked in the gym. I wish I could just show up. 
be like, I'm here. The pounds is coming off because I walked through the door. No, I got to do something, right? I got to do something to see results. People come in here and they walk in and they're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm growing under Rashad's teaching. I'm like, oh, man, I'm happy that you could be honest with me. So how have you been doing throughout the week and, watch, and listening to the sermon again or reading the scriptures for yourself? Oh, I don't do all that. I'm expecting to grow completely off of that one hour I spend with you. Well, it, mm, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You know, people talk about our kids' ministry. I don't feel like my kids are growing enough. I'm like, man, okay, we can work through that. Um, how much time are you spending with them through the week in the scriptures? Oh, I don't. That's, that's Jason's job. That's Ann's job. It's like, what? Well, time out. <laughs> we only get them for an hour. <laughs> you got them all week. And, and just real quick, let me step back in case you have to throw something at me. All right. We have an overwhelming kids' ministry. It, we have more kids than a little bit, which means we got a lot of parents. And we got two teachers. Okay? Let, let that sit. Two teachers and a few helpers. And I'm telling you, We've told you, we will equip you. We will equip you. We will walk alongside you. Sometimes we just need bodies by there because for as long as I preach sometimes, they just get restless. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but what keeps you from going back there to serve? Because you want to be out here? Well, that's why we went to two services. Well, I don't want to be there for two services. That's why we did podcasts. I ain't got time to listen to podcasts. Well, then what, when did the excuses stop? We, we have put so many things in place to encourage you to serve, not for us. You're going to benefit. Maybe you struggle with the Bible now. I, prop, I started my ministry teaching kids. I built up how to present the gospel, and, how, and I learned all my Bible stories teaching the kids when I didn't know nothing. Like literally, saved May 2011. July 2011, I'm teaching kids. And all I'm doing is reading the devotions throughout the week for myself, learning it for myself, and then saying, oh, I can regurgitate that to a five-year-old, right? So why are, we, why are we not serving? So finally, he goes on, and this is what he says in the last verse. He says, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. This is called, hello, my name is empty sacrifice. So you have evil sacrifice, you have easy sacrifice, entitled sacrifice, and finally, empty sacrifice. My mama's here, and I told you I didn't know she was going to be here, but I'm going to use it anyway. Mama, you remember that song you used to play when I was young, when I, when I didn't like your music back then, because I knew when you played that music, Mama, it's time to clean up the house. <laughs> remember this song? Your body's here with me. But your mind is on the other side of town. Yeah, that was my mom and jam right there. No offense to my daddy. My dad's a good father. All right? <laughs> so look, so check it out. So check it out. This is how we worship. Your body's here, right? But your mind is at IHOP. That's where I want to go, by the way. <laughs> your mind is at B-dubs. Your mind is on the coach game. Your mind is everywhere else but right here, your mind is on the fight you and your spouse had this morning. Your mind is on the problems of tomorrow. Your mind is on what time you got to go to work. Your, your mind is everywhere else but here. It's funny. Anything could distract us nowadays, right? Somebody give you his bathroom, distract it. Somebody walk in late, distract it. Your mind is not here. Your body's here. But this is empty sacrifice. This is what he's talking about. I wish 
that the gates were closed because what, what happened is that priest that took that offering, he would go into like these doors, these gates to go into the place where he made the offering. He goes, I wish you closed that. I wish no offering was made. Why? Because it's useless. It's worthless. It's empty. And I'm going to tell you what I told the first service. I love pastor in this church. I love every single one of you. Even if it's my first time meeting you, you will find out when I say that, I actually mean that. I sincerely love you. Those of you who know me, you know I love you. I will step down if this becomes a place of worthless worship. And I will easily, I will jump down, run down before I sit here and just let the numbers increase and nothing happen in transformation. I refuse to be a pastor who's sitting here saying things that don't move you. If I'm not moving our congregation to serve sacrificially, if I'm not moving our congregation to transform them lo- their lives and to give more of their time to God, not to this building, then it's time for me to move so that God can bring up somebody who can move you. But at some point, if you go through pastor after pastor after pastor after pastor, who's the common denominator? You see what I'm saying? God says, I would rather you shut the doors to the church than come in here with an empty worship. I step back and say, yeah, me too. Me too. I'd rather cancel church every Sunday if all I know is that we're going to come in here and be religious. If all we're doing is coming in here to grow our religion, then, hey, I quit. I mean that today. I quit. Because that's not what we're here for. We're here, we're here to give a glimpse of heaven. We're supposed to be the movie trailer for heaven, right? And, and we look more like the movie trailer for what we're already living in, the world. Everybody here to take. Everybody here to consume. Nobody willing to sacrifice. When the Bible says, be a living sacrifice, I'm going to say it once again, how do, how do non-believers come in here and want anything to do with people who aren't sacrificially living for the God that they say they worship? Belief births a behavior, but like we said two weeks ago, your behavior will birth somebody's belief. They will look at your behavior and say, uh, well then, why do I need to believe in your God to basically do exactly what I've been doing? It should be a lifestyle change as a result. It should change everything. And remember, this is not me dogging you and saying you need to sing louder. This is not me saying you need to raise your hands and worship. That's all outside. I'm saying what's going on in your heart. What Check your attitude because all the things that they're responding to God in this text, how have we defiled you? How have we done this? How have we done They didn't audibly say that. It's assumed from their actions. God's like, you don't have to say it. I see your heart. You ain't got to tell me that you're not all in. I see it in your heart. Remember, man judges the outside, right? So you can fool me all day. You can come in here and I'll be like, that is one of our strongest church members. God goes, no, it ain't. No, it ain't. That one over there that's crying every time, that won't lift her arms, that just is in her, that's your strongest member right there. The rest of them putting on a show. So I'm not asking you to put on a show because that's empty, right? I'm asking you to fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to let the Spirit have his way with your soul. So as we get ready to close out, basically what God was saying is, 
A closed church is better than a crooked church. This morning, what I'm asking is, first and foremost, to those who are non-believers, this message is just as much for you as anybody. Okay, don't think that I'm just beating up on my congregation. <laughs> um, here's the thing. All of this starts with the beginning of the gospel, which basically says, you are a sinner. Now, maybe you're offended by that. That's okay. So was I. I think everybody in this room who's a believer will tell you the gospel is offensive, right? It tells you that you were born in a sin and there's nothing you can do about it, but there is a price to pay for it. It's called death. You can't pay that price. So Christ paid it for you. The free gift of salvation is this, that if you will believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will be saved. This is the beauty of it, y'all. It ain't based on your weight. It ain't based on your height, your skin color, your tax bracket, your education. It has nothing to do with any of that. I don't care how old you are or like the three blessings we got being baptized. I don't care how young you are. If you call on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Praise God. But what happens is this, for all of you who are believers, if God truly is the God you say you serve, then you sing, all I need is you. At some point, God has to be enough for you. At some point, there's God and then there's everything else. In other words, I'm willing to give up anything in my life for the gospel. I gave up alcohol for the gospel. I gave up porn for the gospel. I gave up my bank account for the gospel. I gave up the comfort of my life for the gospel because all I need is God. I give my all to God and trust him with everything else. That is sacrifice. It's not comfortable. You do take up a cross. In the temporary world that you're in, you die to it knowing that eternity is waiting on you. So I'm calling out to believers, to brothers, to sisters who claim that all I need is you. If that's real, then why don't we live like it? Not just on Sunday morning, but every day of our lives sacrificially serving each other in the world so that God gets all the glory. This is what we're calling you to do today in your marriages, in your parenting, children towards your parents, in your school, in your workplace. Give it all up for God. Use it for the gospel. This is what he's calling us to do. If not, we might as well close the doors and find a place that will motivate us to do it today. Amen? So I'm asking that you stand up, that you raise up, that you sing with us. I want you to sing loud, but if that's not you, then sing real. Sing real and let the words mean something to you.
to the baptism service. So like I said, it's going to get a little chaotic with the kids coming out here. Just be patient with us as we move the baptismal. Um, Tyler gave me this in between services because I was looking for a facial mirror. I was going to pass it around, but there's a lot of people, so I was like, never mind. Basically, you know, we, we, we get in sermons like this and we hear the words and the convictions, but we start thinking about everybody else in our lives except for ourselves. And I wanted everybody to take this and just kind of look at it to see that I'm, God's talking to you. Stop thinking about your neighbor or that other member or that person you ain't seen in three weeks. He's talking to you and all of this. And here's one of the most beautiful things since we're struggling in our serving. On the outside, it says, too pretty to work. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of us, some of us kind of feel that way. I'm, I'm too new to work. I'm too much of a baby Christian to work. I'm too tired to work. I'm too this to work. I'm too that to work. And no, you're not. Remember, we said last year, everybody who is a believer has a gift that can be used for the body. So that means all of us. I ask that you take this message. Don't let it fall on deaf ears. Let it change something in your life today that will change you for tomorrow. Amen? All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for a convicting message. Father, we thank you for the three souls that we are about to baptize as they want to walk in obedience to you. Father, I ask that everybody under the sound of my voice that they... If there's anything I said or any of my animation that hinders your word, may they completely forget about all of me, Father, so that they can see all of you. Father, may Malachi 1 be enough by itself without somebody preaching it. Father, may they be able to read it throughout the week and just have the convictions that lead them to change for you. We're asking that the souls in this room that do not know you, Father, that they cry out to you. We're asking that even as they celebrate a baptism with this Father, that it leads them, that maybe these children and their faith and their, their fearlessness, Father, leads the adults, Father, to call on you and leads other children to call on you. May they have that conversation with you. And Father, if we are privileged, may we be the ones that guide them your direction. Father, I thank you for every soul in this room. <clears throat> Father, I feel so privileged and honored to be the blessing and the vessel that is used by you, Father, to speak to them. May they take everything that was for them through the Holy Spirit and have it applied to their hearts so that true transformation could take place. Father, we're tired of the empty religion. We're tired of the empty sacrifices. We're tired of feeling entitled. We're tired of it being easy, and we're tired of it being evil. We want to worship you in spirit and truth the way your word says. Father, please help us to move to that place. It's in your precious an ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. This is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.